One of my favorite movies in recent years is a movie called Stranger Than Fiction starring Emma Thompson and Will Ferrell. Have any of you all seen that movie? It came out maybe about 10 years ago. It's a great movie. The movie is about a rather boring man named Harold Crick who lives a simple, uncomplicated life working as an IRS auditor. He wakes up each day, gets dressed in the same way, rides the same bus, does his work, comes home, eats dinner, and then goes to bed, and each day of his life looks strikingly similar. One day, though, as he is brushing his teeth, he begins to to hear a voice, a woman's voice, and she is narrating his various actions. Harold Crick brushed his teeth, he hears the voice say. Harold Crick tied his necktie in a half-Windsor knot, the voice says. Harold Crick walked to the bus stop, and so on. Harold begins to hear all of these narrations, and he isn't sure where the voice is coming from and how she seems to know all about his life, and so he largely decides to ignore it at first. It's not until he hears the voice say, Little did he know that this simple, seemingly innocuous act of winding his watch would result in his imminent death. And when he hears the voice say that, he starts to pay attention. It's it's at this point that he starts to, to look for answers. He wants to find out who this voice is, where this voice is coming from. And it's it's also at this point that he starts to reconsider how he is living his life. And that's the rest of the movie. I was thinking about that movie as I started to prepare for the sermon that I would preach today, and it made me ask myself a question, a question that I offer you all today. What would you do if you had to give up your future? Or to say it in another way, what would you do if you found out that you had no future? We're in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis this morning, and that seems to be precisely what God announces to Abraham, that God is going to destroy his future. Now, for us to fully understand how devastating today's story from chapter 22 is, we need to go back a little bit and look at what leads up to Abraham obeying God by taking his son Isaac up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. The story of Abraham and his wife starts back in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, as many of you know. God makes a promise to Abraham. He and Sarah will have a son. That son would in turn have sons, and those sons would go on to have more children. In short, Abraham was to be, as his name suggested, the father of multitudes, the father of many nations. That's the promise that God makes with Abraham, and Abraham believes it. He follows God's instructions and packs up all that he has so that he could travel to an unknown land where they would wait for that promise to be fulfilled. And wait they did for three years. And after three long years of waiting, the promise that God made with Abraham and Sarah is finally born, Isaac. God has kept God's promise. A new nation will now be born. And it would be really nice if that's how the story ended. But that's not what happens. And so our text for today begins, God tested Abraham. The Abraham story begins with God asking Abraham to cut himself off from his past by traveling to a foreign land. And what we hear today is God asking Abraham to cut himself off from the future he has been promised by sacrificing his son Isaac. At the very heart of this awful story, and really all of the Abraham stories in Genesis is trust. 
All that is required of Abraham when God makes this promise is that Abraham must trust in God. And we see that trust leading Abraham to make the awful decision to take Isaac up the mountain. The text says that early in the morning, Abraham, Isaac, and two young servants saddled the donkeys and began their trek up the mountain. After three days of journeying, Abraham tells the two servants to stay behind and that, so that he and Isaac can go alone and continue. As they continue walking, Isaac starts to ask questions. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice, he says to his father. And Abraham responds that God will provide the lamb. It's not until Abraham has bound his son, placed him on the altar, and raises his knife to kill him that God intervenes, that God provides. Think of all of those artistic renderings that you've seen of this story, the fear, the the anguish, the terror present in the scene as the angel swoops in to stay Abraham's hand. It's, It's an awful scene. This is a hard story. It's it's hard to hear, it's hard to read, and it's really hard to preach on. Sam Lloyd Sam Lloyd, the former dean of the Washington National Cathedral, once said of this story that if, if you, if we wanted to make a case for the sheer primitiveness of religion, all we would need to do is start with this story. So what are we to make of this, this dark story? One, one traditional interpretation of this hard story is that God was testing Abraham's faithfulness, and when Abraham made his way up the mountain and placed Isaac upon the altar, he passed God's test. He was, as the text says, not willing to withhold his only son from God. He passes the test. Another interpretation, a Christian interpretation, sees this story as an allegory, a precursor to the story of God sacrificing God's own son, Jesus, on the cross. The problem with both of those interpretations, I think, is is that they start from the position of trying to understand how or why God would ask Abraham to do this awful thing. And the problem with both of those interpretations, at least for me, is that the text never really tells us what was on the mind of God or what Abraham might have been thinking. This text from Genesis seems to assume that God can act as God pleases and that, and that God can give and take away for any reason or for no reason at all. Now, that's not very satisfying for those of us who want answers to the why question, but that's, that's where we are in this text. Kierkegaard said of this story that it contains a teleological suspension of the ethical, and, and what I think he means by that is that as hard as it may be, we have to set aside our ethical standards, our need to understand why, in order to fully dig into this story. I think, though, that there's a, a third explanation for us to consider today. Our story begins today with these words, God tested Abraham. The explanation that that makes a whole lot of sense for me is, is this, Abraham failed the test. Yes, he was faithful in his belief in God's promise. Sure, he trusted that God would provide, but, but he failed the test in many ways. He failed his son Isaac He failed Sarah, his wife, who had given him this son. He failed Hagar and Ishmael when he sent them away. That was the story that we heard last week. Abraham, our our forefather in the faith, failed this test when he didn't argue, when he didn't tell God that he wouldn't dare hurt his son. Abraham failed. But in the end, God did what God always does when we fail. God offered redemption. God offered hope. God provided 
God saves Isaac from Abraham's failures and goes on to make a great nation from Isaac's descendants, just as God had promised. For you see, I think that's the message of this story and of all the scriptures. God doesn't give up on us even when we fail. So often we think that this life, our lives, are about us doing our very best to find God, to serve God, to obey God. But but I'm more and more convinced that the story of our scriptures is not so much about our search for God, but about God's constant search for us. That's what we see in the Old Testament, and that's what we see in the New Testament. God searching for us. God not giving up on us. God coming into this world so that God can be in relationship with us. Our lives are full of tests, both significant and minor occasions, when we have the choice to do what God calls us to do, to love our neighbors, to feed the hungry, to turn the other cheek, to be peacemakers, and we often fail to do that work. We withhold our love, we withhold our compassion when God would have us share it. And somehow, even when we fail these tests in big ways and in small ways, God continues to love us. I like what William Sloan Coffin once said about God. He wrote, Too often we picture God as some immovable, unchangeable rock, when in fact it is God and God alone who never rests. It is God alone who never rests. It is God alone who always keeps God's promise. It is God alone who provides, even when we, like Abraham, fail all of the many tests of our lives. Amen.